Oh, no, I don't mean that to be recorded. Don't, you have to edit that out. We're editing that out. Welcome to So Dead, a podcast where we talk about just how terrifying Michigan can be. I'm Jen Carpenter. And I'm Danny Fairman. Happy True Crime Tuesday. And happy Taco Tuesday, Deadheads. Welcome to episode 18. 18 episodes. Can you believe it? No. So it feels like we just started. I know. I love it, though. I do, too. So for 18 weeks now, we've been highlighting some of Michigan's most shocking history, proving that... Despite what we all grew up believing, interesting things really do happen here in the mitten. (laughs) Still, when most people think true crime, they don't think Michigan. They think Bundy, Gacy, Dahmer, Manson. But Danny. Yeah. What if I told you that all of those names are in fact connected to Michigan? Do I believe you? I do do because I know the stories. But... (laughs) If I didn't know the stories, I would not because they're not well known. No, they're not. Michigan's connection to these high profile case profile profile. (laughs) I like that word. I like that one. Going in the dictionary to these high profile cases isn't too well known. For instance, um, perhaps the most infamous serial killer in American history is the unassuming psychopath we all know and love to hate. Ted Bundy. We love um, to hate which, him. Which, the new Zac Efron movie about Bundy, mm-hmm. um, which has a very confusing name. I don't know. I can't believe that it made it What is it, it called far. again? Extremely Wicked, Shockingly Evil, and Vile. That's the title of the movie? That's the title of the why, movie. First of all, why don't I know this? I don't know why you don't know this. Because it just came out all. this weekend. So uh, I guess my next question was going to be, have you seen it yet? And I know the answer. No. No. <laughs> no, <Nope. I> have- <laughs> no. but we're going to Tennessee this summer. I'm totally sidebarring here. Okay. Um, and there is a museum down there with his car. <gasps> guess who's going to try and go to that museum? Good. And I will take my four-year-old child with me. Good. You should. Because <laughs> that's the kind of mom I that's am. That's the way to raise them. Oh my god. Anyways, so tell um, me so about the movie. It, this the dude. reason it's got this name is because that's actually something the judge said during his trial. That's an exact quote. He called him extremely wicked, shockingly evil and vile. And they thought that sounded like a good movie title. So And what's really sad is now when we hear these stories, nothing's shocking anymore. That's true. You know, back then it was shocking, but people don't surprise me anymore. I think everybody's just kind of shitty. Yeah. Yeah. Sucks. So I haven't had a chance to watch the movie yet, um, so I don't know how much of Just this kidding. story is <laughs> I don't think... I, I, I'm going to interrupt you. I don't think everybody's shitty, but I'm not surprised when I find out somebody's shitty. I'll say that. You're saying shitty a lot this episode. I like that word. <laughs> okay. Um, Poopy. Is that better for some oh of you listeners? Can we just talk about Ted Bundy now? Yeah, I'm oh, sorry. Of fecal Instead matter? Of poop? All right, let's do this. Okay. Um, So, bringing it right on down, Ted Bundy was a rapist and a necrophile responsible for the deaths of at least 30 women, uh, but possibly 100 or more. 
because like our good old buddy H.H. Holmes, Bundy was a pathological liar. So his number was always changing. His stories were always changing. Uh, and his true number of victims may never be known. He was, explain what a necrophile is. Nope. Do it. I won't. Do it. You don't know? I do know. It's somebody who nasty with has sex with dead bodies, oh, right? So gross. So Bundy was active in Washington, Utah, Colorado, California, Oregon, Idaho, and Florida. But Michigan was very close to being on his list. So I'm not going to go through Ted Bundy's whole history. There's right. how many how many times can that be done? At least one more with this new Zac Efron movie. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I'm going to focus on his connection to Michigan. Um, so after murdering dozens of women in the mid-1970s, Ted Bundy was finally apprehended and was awaiting trial in Colorado when he escaped custody for not the first, but the second time. <laughs> Just six months prior, he'd escaped from the Pitkin County Courthouse by jumping out of a library window while doing research for his case, which he was permitted to do since he was representing himself. That's right. Um, so that's always just the craziest scene. And I think I've seen that in the preview for the Zac Efron movie where he mm-hmm. just jumps out of a second story window in a library, rips off his clothes, has other clothes underneath it, and just kind of takes I off. I mean, I don't care who Zac Efron is portraying. I would watch him jump out of a window and rip his clothes off. You know, sorry, Dave. Love you. <laughs> but let's be real. If it was Jennifer Aniston, you'd say the same thing. So... All Moving right. on. Moving on. Um, so Bundy was on the lam for six days uh, after jumping out of the library window uh, before he was recaptured. Once back in custody, he immediately began planning his necta. Next. Necta? No, his necta. <laughs> I like that word. I, like I don't know word. what it means, we'll but I like it. the meaning for it. Okay. His next escape. Over the course of six months, he saved over $500 in cash that had been smuggled in by visitors. He memorized the jail's floor plan, and he acquired a hacksaw that he used to saw a hole in the ceiling. Here we are with sawing our way on out. Yeah, Um, which he worked on his hole to freedom at night while other inmates were showering. He lost 35 pounds in just a couple of months so that he could fit through that hole. Um, so it must have been really hard to saw a hole in a prison ceiling because, like, rather than just make it a little bigger, he lost 35 pounds in, like, two or three months so that he could – he's like, nope, not making that any bigger. I'm going to have to get smaller. That's crazy. And he did. I like food too much. Yeah. I'd be like, I'll just stay here. Same. I'll eat. Um, I'll, just, I'll just stay. But I've never had prison food, knocking on some wood here. So, you yeah. know, maybe it would be easier to starve myself. Yeah. New diet plan. All right. Get arrested. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, So he did several practice runs before he actually attempted to escape. During the time that he would do these practice runs at night, officials at the jail received... What? It's just so bizarre. Oh, it is bizarre. I mean, go on. So this is how... I mean, they've got Ted Bundy in their facility... And at night, prisoners are complaining of hearing things in the ceiling. Even employees of the prison are complaining of hearing noises. And they're like, ah, it's just the rats. What are you going to do? But Um, I mean, but we're going, oh, of course it's Ted Bundy. But at the time, he was just another serial killer that had been on the lam for quite a while and had already escaped once at this point. Yeah. During a court hearing. 
from a courthouse. So they should have been a little more. Yeah, but I think people in general might have just been a little more naive. And I don't mean that as an insult. I just think the world wasn't as used to the terrible stories. Yeah. That we're used to now. Maybe. I don't know. I still think it's weird. Um, So on December 30th, 1977, while most of the jail staff and nonviolent criminals were at home celebrating the holidays with their families, Bundy used books to make a serial killer shaped lump under the blankets on his cot. (laughs) And he made his getaway through the crawl space he'd carved out for himself and gotten super skinny to fit through. So he's up there, right? He's crawling around with the rats and the spiders and the ceiling, like My some diehard. Yeah. Um, and he knows exactly where to go because he's got the floor plan memorized. Mm-hmm. So when he reaches the area above the chief jailer's apartment, who was not home at the time and Bundy knew it, he was um, out with his wife that night. He busted through the ceiling into the jailer's apartment, stole clothes from his closet, changed, and then just walked out the door. Thus, his cross-country trip began by way of stolen cars, hitchhiking, bus, and plane. Um, It's like that movie. Remember that creepy planes, trains, and automobiles? (gasps) That was not a creepy movie. That's a classic. It's creepy to me. I I don't remember what about it creeped me out, but I don't like it. I do remember that about it. Because it strangers. Maybe. I don't know. Um, So... He was all the way to Chicago, from Colorado to Chicago, by the time they even realized he was missing. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. I know. And Do he, your job. Right. So he left Chicago by train, and he traveled to Ann Arbor, Michigan. Bum, bum, bum. That University of Michigan. It attracts him. Um, where he famously watched his alma mater, the University of Washington, defeat the University of Michigan in the 1978 Rose Bowl at a local bar. Experts believe that Bundy's intention was to make Michigan his next killing field. But he found our winters to be a little bit too much for him. Um, <laughs> so after about a week, he stole a car and headed south. What a wuss. Right. But thankfully... Um, right. I mean, I'm not like complaining because but. he wound up in Florida, um, which I mean, <laughs> the complete opposite. Yeah. Talk about a snowbird, you mm-hmm. know, leave Michigan, drive down to Florida for the winter. Most, lots of people do that, mm-hmm. but they don't usually do it to go murder people. Um, they don't? No. I mean, I don't know. It is Florida. <laughs> Who would know, right? Um, so he wound up in Florida, and that's where he took his final victims. Um, on January 15th, 1978, so about two weeks after he escaped, um, and about a week after he arrived in Tallahassee, Bundy attacked four co-eds at the Chi Omega sorority house in the middle of the night and killed three of them. He then broke into the apartment of another college student just a few blocks away, where he viciously attacked a Florida State University dancer, but did not kill her. Three weeks later, Ted Bundy kidnapped a 12-year-old girl from her middle school in Lake City, Florida. And have you heard this story? This one's really crazy. This fucking girl, this poor, this little girl, it was the middle of a school day. Um, She was in a, I had researched it a little bit. She was at a school where there were two campuses, so kind of two separate buildings, Mm -hmm. you know, which we've been to school with annexes and things like that. So she's in one building and someone said, you left your purse in homeroom. So she was leaving the one building to go back to the homeroom to get her purse. She got her purse and then she just never came back. 
he was that close, it was that quick, that he snatched a 12-year-old girl crossing between school buildings in the middle of the day to get her purse out of her homeroom. Um, And a week after that murder, he was recaptured for the final time. Um, He was eventually executed in the Sunshine State. So locals gathered outside the prison to celebrate Bundy's death by electric chair on January 24th, 1989, which it seems a little strange to celebrate someone being electrocuted to death, but honestly, like, who could blame him? Right. Um, he terrorized the state of Florida for almost a month. And if you think about it, if the timing had been, like, just a little different and he'd made landfall in Michigan when it was just like a summertime. little bit warmer, mm-hmm. um, you know, our falls are gorgeous. Summers are muggy, but we've got those lakes and mm-hmm. they're beautiful. Springtime right. is just gross and muddy and sloopy i like it once things start to grow but those first yeah the first couple weeks are rough because you never know if it's gonna snow and everything's brown or flood and flooded and gross but it's the sign of new beginnings but because bundy picked michigan during winter um and decided to move on um we were spared from his terror, um, but it Lucky came very us. close to being here where his story ended. But honestly, like, thank fucking God that it happened in right. Florida because yeah, we don't have the death penalty. We don't have the death penalty. And they were able to electrocute so that fucker. sayonara, sucka. Exactly. And really interesting kind of side note because um, everywhere I go on vacation, I'm always looking for, like, the weird history <laughs> and right. the strange things. There is, in Orlando, a courthouse um, that you can... It's it's like a courthouse museum now, kind of like the one out in Charlotte. Okay. He um, had his trial there and for, for the murder of the little girl. Oh. And there is a table. And there's contention over whether or not it's actually his. But there is like a courtroom, you know, those big mahogany yeah, yeah. tables. And it has the name Bundy carved into the corner of it. Stop. They don't know if he did it or not, so they actually put plexiglass over it to preserve it just in case. So next time you're in Orlando, like take a break from Disney, um, drive to downtown Orlando, go to the courthouse where they held Ted Bundy's trial, okay. and see possibly where he carved his name into a table. That's crazy. Isn't that crazy? So that's Bundy's connection to Michigan. He couldn't handle it. He couldn't take us, y'all. He can take a life, but he can't take the winner. Winter right. is coming for you, Ted Bundy. Actually, I guess it didn't. <laughs> bum, bum, bada, bum, bum. He more got Dracarist to death. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm <laughs> such a Game of Thrones nerd, you guys. <laughs> All right. So you've got some stories, right? I do. So I've got a connection for John Wayne Gacy, a.k.a. Oh. Pogo the Clown. Oh, my God. Who was... Nightmare. I know. Pogo the Clown. This is why people are afraid of clowns. It really is. Um... He was an American serial killer and rapist. Mm. Do you think most serial killers are rapists? I don't know. Because I don't think it's a sexual thing. It's definitely a control thing. It's a control thing, and both of, you know, murder and rape are very violent forms of control. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I feel like most of them that we have actually researched, they have sexually assaulted. Yeah. It's disgusting either way. But anyway... He's known to have raped, tortured, and murdered at least 33 young men between 1972 and 1978 in Illinois. 
Yeah, that's a lot. That's that's awful. Mm -hmm. All of Gacy's murders are committed in his home that he shares with his mother. And the bodies are buried on the property under the house and dumped at a nearby river. Like, what in the fuck? Did that house probably smell so it bad? It did. Have you not seen I'm Trying So Hard? I think it's Evil Lives Here. I should know I the name of it. That, it's on the ID channel. It's- I will be honest with you. I When I'm watching these things, I'm probably like cleaning or folding laundry You're or on something. Your phone. Mm-hmm. So I hear That's the story, evil. but I don't hear all the so details. They had his, I'm, po- I'm almost positive that it's Evil Live Here. I should know. It's my favorite show on the ID channel. I know the song by heart. It's that weird violin-y thing. (laughs) Um, But they did an episode with his sister, and she talked about the smell. I actually purposely bought that on Amazon Prime because I don't have cable, so I couldn't live. And we stream everything. Um, That's true. Cable's kind of becoming obsolete slowly. Mm -hmm. Thank God. Um, So. Yeah, she talked about that. She talked about how the house did smell, and she brought it up all the I'm time. Have to rewatch it. And he said that she said that there was no. So they talk about the crawl space under his house. His mm-hmm. house was just on a slab, and so he was saying that, like you know, it was probably just from the damp and the gross underneath. But it was the under slab. the porch. Mm-hmm. The, like yeah. if it's on a slab, there's no crawl space. Yeah, no, he made the crawl space. He did make the crawl yeah. space. I think so. That's how she made it sound that it was just on a slab, and he's like, "Oh, it's just the dampness. It's the the mud that the house yeah. is just plopped." I've been on in top many of. houses where there's water issues, and they don't smell like dead body. Mm-hmm. That's gross. But yeah, so it did smell. <sighs> okay, now I'm done gagging. Um, so now it's January 2nd, 1972. Gacy picks up 16-year-old Timothy Jack McCoy from the Chicago bus station. So when I think of the Chicago bus station, I think of Adventures in Babysitting. Yes. When Brenda's stuck there and that, um, is it okay to say homeless person? I mean, that homeless person is like, get out of my house. That's all I think about. So whenever somebody says Chicago bus station, I think of Brenda from Adventures in Babysitting. You just moved. (laughs) Anyway, so okay. So Timothy is traveling home to Omaha from Michigan, where he was just visiting his aunt and uncle. So there's a connection here. He vacationed with his aunt and uncle frequently. Um, Gacy promises him a tour of Chicago and a place to stay for the night, as well as a ride to the bus station in the morning to catch his final bus home. So this wasn't, I mean, when you say he picked him up from the bus station, this was not a planned thing. No. Like, he wasn't his Uber driver. No. They didn't meet on Facebook. No, it was this Stranger was Danger. This This is a strange man saying, mm-hmm. hey, here's a kid traveling alone. Right. I can, I can hook in. you up. Mm-hmm. So where in Michigan was he? Do we know? I don't. I've tried to find it. Do you know? I don't know. I've tried to find it and I can't. I've like looked up his aunt and uncle. I've looked everything. So if you guys know, let Let us us know. know. So Gacy does what he says. And um, when he wakes up the next morning, he wakes up to Timothy standing in his bedroom doorway with a knife in his hand. According to Gacy. According to Gacy. So he's startled. He leaps out of bed toward Timothy, who throws his hands up in the air, you know, as if to say, he's like gesturing, I surrender, I surrender. But while he's tossing his hands in the air, he accidentally cuts Gacy in the forearm, leaving a gash, and that turned into a scar later. So he must have got him pretty good. 
Mm. Whatever, though, right? I mean, in retrospect, he just deserved it. Yeah, so this is supposedly the story. So Gacy takes a knife from Timothy's hand, bangs his head against the wall, and throws him against a dresser in the room. Ow. Timothy, trying to defend himself, kicks Gacy in the stomach. This one blow throws Gacy in a rage. So it's okay that he beats the shit out of him, but the minute somebody fights back, he's enraged, you know, whatever. He throws Timothy to the ground and starts stabbing him repeatedly in the chest while straddling him. Gacy then buries Timothy in the backyard and covers the grave with a concrete pad. Hmm. So, And this is... Supposedly his very first his first victim. His first victim. That he picked up leaving Michigan, headed mm-hmm. home to Nebraska. So I don't buy it. I no. think that that story is bullshit. Like, you pick up a kid traveling home right. from a vacation, and this... You're going to turn into a serial killer and rapist, but right now you're just a cool guy picking right. up a strange kid, um, and he yeah. tries to attack you, and you killed him defending yourself. I don't buy that for so a second. The way he makes it sound is the this situation tur- kind of turned him into no. a serial killer. I no. know. I think he was just you had wired that, that way. Yeah, mm-hmm. you had that coming. These were your tendencies. This just opened the floodgates. Right. But I don't believe that he woke up to the kids. Why? why? <laughs> so, well, he explains. How was the kid going to get to the bus station? Right. Exactly. So he does explain that immediately following the murder, Gacy goes to the kitchen and he sees that the kitchen table is set for two with breakfast ready to be served. So it seems as though Timothy had made breakfast and went to wake up Gacy and was absentmindedly just holding carrying like the knife. knife. What an idiot. Not mm-hmm. the kid, Gacy. Yeah. Because how many times have you how many times have you grabbed something and walked around Right. You know, with it in your hand and you're like, why am I still holding this? Why am I what did, what is right. happening? Yeah. Um so Timothy's reported missing by his cousin who works with him at Blue Star Foods. He's quoted as saying, I thought he got amnesia and just vanished. What? So Watch his I way still too many don't want to make fun movies. of his family or anything, but that's what? so stupid. That's the conclusion you came to? I mean, you that's know? they not to victim blame, but that's right. really dumb. That makes about as much sense as right. Casey's story. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so in nineteen seventy eight, when Gacy was caught, Timothy's body was recovered but placed in a grave in Illinois as an unidentified person. Mm. I know. After a short time, dental records confirmed his identity and he was laid to rest in Nebraska, where he's originally from. Um, Gacy made a statement at his trial that after killing his first victim, Timothy, he felt totally drained but had experienced the most mind-numbing orgasm as he killed. And that's when he realized it was the ultimate thrill. Thus creating one of America's worst serial killers. Oh, my God. What a psycho. Isn't that nuts? It is. It's awful. So that's kind of like, he didn't actually travel to Michigan. I mean, he probably did. Mm-hmm. Illinois is so close. <laughs> but sure you did, had girlfriends. I was going to say, you have a story. So uh, we recently covered a story that, as you guys know, was pretty personal to my family um, about my dad's friend, Stan Casey, mm-hmm. that was raped and murdered in 1970, right. a 15-year-old boy. Um I was recently talking with a friend who was a retired uh, 
deputy from the Eaton County Sheriff's Department. Mm -hmm. And I asked him about the case because as we've talked about a lot, like this case was very hard for me to research. It was very hard to find information. Okay. What year did he die? What year was he killed? Okay. Um, And so I said, does the name Stan Casey ring a bell? And he said, no, but tell me the the details because you know they remember right what happened not necessarily not the name right. um and i said you know 15 year old boy hitchhiking picked up by murderers raped and murdered and dumped in charlotte and he goes oh yeah the one they thought gacy did oh my gosh the police for years thought that gacy had killed Stan Casey. Oh, it makes sense. Yeah. Oh, I I just got chills all over my body. I was freaking out. And he said, because you know, he was in this area at that time. Stop. How many times have you been to Chicago? I mean, it's a three hour drive. That's right. So how do they know he was in the area? I don't know. I didn't press. I was so shocked. We need to know this story. I can can ask more questions, Uh but I was so shocked. We need to talk to him. um, By that, that, yeah. I, I, and you know, they did suspect Gacy as well in the Oakland County child killings for a time. So they had, he was in Michigan around the time and he so, may have taken victims from Michigan that just have never been revealed. I'm like in shock right now. Cause it, it would make sense. I mean, you're right. Chicago is not that far. A hop, skip and a jump away. Mm-hmm. Okay. If any of our listeners have any stories about the connection with Gacy to Michigan, you gotta write us. Yeah, absolutely. You gotta. Like, you it gotta. is your duty to let us know yes. at this point. It's <laughs> do the research for us. Right. Please. Thank you. And then we'll give you some credit on our show. For sure. Mm-hmm. So anyway, so that is my story of John Wayne Gacy and his shitty connection to Michigan. So we've got Bundy in Michigan. We've got Gacy probably in Michigan, but mm-hmm. his first victim is was traveling, traveling from, from Michigan. Michigan. You ready to connect good old Charlie Manson to Michigan now? Okay. This one, he's always creeped me out. Charles this, Manson's terrifying. He's always creeped me out. And what's terrible is my dad adopted that look back in like the 60s. <gasps> I mean, it was everybody a pretty did, common look. But he's never... Killed anyone? Well, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, but he's never gotten rid of his love. <laughs> I don't think your dad looks but like we Charles like Manson. To say, no, we like to say he's got the Beatles haircut. He does. Yeah, for sure. Anyways. Um, so for a man who never actually killed anyone himself, Charles Manson has quite a reputation as a serial killer. He was, of course the leader of the Manson family cult, and it was members of the cult that did his bidding for him. Their most infamous attack was at the Los Angeles home of pregnant actress Sharon Tate. Mm -hmm. I remember we were recently talking about our birthdays, and I told you I had a story coming up that had your birthday in it, and I couldn't remember it. On the evening of August 8th, 1969, Manson sent cult members Tex Watson, Susan Atkins, Linda Kasabian, and Patricia Krenwinkel to the home of a music producer who turned Manson down for a record deal, instructing them to totally destroy everyone in it as gruesome as you can. (sighs) The thing was, that record producer, Terry Melcher, didn't live there anymore. The house was now being rented by famed director Roman Polanski and his mm-hmm. wife, actress and model Sharon Tate, who was eight and a half months pregnant. 
She just returned from dinner at a local Mexican restaurant with a group group of friends when the Manson family descended upon the house, killing them all in the most brutal way possible. The first to be killed that night was Sharon Tate's good friend and former boyfriend, Jay Sebring. Jay Sebring was born Thomas John Cummer on August 10, 1933. He grew up in a middle-class home in Southfield, Michigan. After high school, he joined the Navy, where he first learned to cut hair. Following his military service, he moved to Los Angeles, enrolled in cosmetology school, and changed his name to Jay Sebring. The name Sebring is, uh, I clearly don't do a lot with my hair. It's usually just back in a ponytail. Mm -hmm, I do wash it, however. Um, But so I I don't spend a lot on hair care products, but um, the name Sebring, I mean, that's that's a brand still, right? Isn't that a car? It's familiar to me. That's a car. It is also a car, but it's also a brand of hair care products. Oh, it is? Okay. Um, mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) Jay Sebring is credited with changing the way men's hair was cut and styled in America. He founded Sebring International, which oversaw the launch of a hair care line and mm. Jay Sebring salon franchises across the country. Really? Mm-hmm. He was the stylist to the stars. He was huh. the only person allowed to touch the hair of men like Warren Beatty, Steve McQueen, Paul Newman, and Marlon Brando. He flew out to Vegas every couple weeks to cut and style Frank Sinatra and Sammy Davis Jr.'s hair. He created Jim Morrison's famous flow and hairdo. Um, he cut Bruce Lee's hair, and Bruce taught him karate. God, like everybody he touched, he was yeah. like, well, he he actually became pretty good friends with Bruce Lee, and he introduced Bruce Lee to the man who made him a movie star. So he was an it guy. Yeah. Um, and then in 1964, he met a beautiful up and coming actress by the name of Sharon Tate. It was love at first sight for the two, and by all accounts, they had a healthy, loving relationship. They were together for a couple of years until Sharon left Jay for another man. In 1966, Sharon was filming the movie The Fearless Vampire Killers in London with director Roman Polanski when they fell madly in love. Sharon broke things off with Jay to pursue a relationship with Roman, but they remained friends, and he even became good friends with her new lover and later husband. Uh, When Roman Polanski traveled to Europe to film a movie in 1969, leaving his very pregnant wife behind, Jay Sebring was there to take care of his best friend and former lover. Some people actually thought Jay and Sharon got too close, um, and it was rumored that they were having an affair. Um, Hmm. Whatever was going on between them, it all ended that August night at 10050 Cielo Drive. Once inside the Tate residence, the Manson family rounded up Sharon and her friends and ordered them face down on the ground. Jay begged for mercy for Sharon, pointing out her advanced staged pregnancy, but his pleas fell on deaf ears. Tex Watson slung a rope over a ceiling beam, then used it to tie Jay and Sharon together by their necks. Again, Jay protested in an attempt to protect Sharon. Um, Tex responded by shooting him. He then kicked Jay in the face repeatedly, shattering his jaw and eye socket. And then he stabbed him seven times and let him bleed to death on the floor as the torture and murder of Sharon Tate and the house's other occupants continued. Actor Steve McQueen gave the eulogy at Jay Sebring's funeral, which was held the same day as Sharon Tate's. And the beauty mogul was buried at Holy, I'm going to say this wrong, Holy Sepulcher. Sepulcher, I don't know how to say it, <laughs> cemetery in his hometown of Southfield, Michigan. 
Interesting. So, I mean, everybody knows about so the tragic, Tate though. LaBianca murders, but everyone focuses on Sharon Tate. She was mm-hmm. beautiful. She was young. She was Nobody knows eight about- months pregnant. Um, but J.C. Bring, the first person to actually die that night, was from Michigan. Interesting. Yeah. That's sad, but it very sad. interesting because you don't hear that story Mm-mm. ever. No, I didn't know that. Hmm. So now we've got Charles Manson connected to Michigan as well. You got one more for us? Balls. I do. I know it. I do. Another dirt ball um, who has a connection to Michigan is Jeffrey Dahmer. Jeffrey Dahmer. Which, you know, I mean, Wisconsin is not that far. Just a jump over the water. So. If Chicago is a hop, skip, and a jump away, then Wisconsin's a hop, skip, jump, and a skedaddle. I don't skedaddle. know. Skedaddle. <laughs> <laughs> I like that word, though. Um, so Jeffrey Lionel Dahmer, and I'm going to sidebar immediately because I always think of Lionel Richie Yeah. when I hear Lionel, Hello. and I love him. Oh, yeah. my gosh. Did you just sing a tune? Nope. You did. I heard me. it. I heard it. It wasn't me. You heard it here first, folks. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it, it just makes me angry that he has the same name as yeah, my, my love. Yeah, sullying the name. So mm-hmm. uh, before you get into your story, uh, a movie about him came out not too long ago. Mm-hmm. My Friend Dahmer. Have you seen that? I have. Um, I did liked I? that one. I think I did. The one where he's a teenager before he's actually killing Shit. people. Maybe I haven't. Um, and spoiler, not really spoiler because we know what he did, but right. um, the movie ends kind of right where he picks up his first victim. So there's okay. no murder in the movie at all. It's like all. a prequel. It's a prequel. To and the it was, Jeffrey Dahmer we know. Yeah, it's based off of, uh, was it a book written by someone he went to high school with that was his friend? Interesting. Um, and I think the thing I found most interesting about it, it was very interesting to me, but the thing I found most interesting was there's a scene where he's in the house with his mom and a repairman or someone comes into the house and he's like, mm-hmm. all right, Mrs. Dahmer. And he just says it very nonchalantly. I mean, that name now, you say the name Dahmer and it's mm-hmm. like, oh shit. Um, but it you meant run. nothing. It meant nothing. Right. Isn't that crazy? And that was so strange to me to think about that, that at one time that name didn't mean anything to anybody. Right. What do these, I mean, what do the family members do? Just change their name, no. you think? He has a brother that still... He I does, mean, yeah. but still, I don't know if I could do that. All right. Anyway, so Jeffrey L. Dahmer, a.k.a. the Milwaukee Cannibal or mm. the Milwaukee Monster, was born May 21st, 1960 to Lionel and Joyce Dahmer. Jeffrey grows up with a pretty normal childhood. He's loved and well cared for, um, shows no signs of quote-unquote weirdness until high school when he starts obsessively dissecting animals and begins to drink heavily. His parents divorce the summer after he graduates in 1978, which is when he commits his first murder at the age of 18. Yes. He picks up a hitchhiker and takes him home to party and have some drinks. Um, When this gentleman makes a comment about wanting to leave, Dahmer hits him over the head with a board and dissects his body As he did with all the animals before. He then dissolves. What word am I trying to say? Dissect. Do you know how to spell it? I can spell dissect if you need me to. Is that the one that... It's D-I-S-S-E-C-T. That's the spelling bee one, isn't it? It is. 
Sorry. I'm going to use that word in every story now. <laughs> and I'll spell it for you every time. <laughs> so he then dissolves his body and sprinkles him in the backyard of his grandmother's house in Ohio, where he's currently living. You know, sprinkles him. Just a sprinkle. Whatever. Mm. So nine years pass until he commits his next murder. The first in Milwaukee. Stephen Walter Toomey was born in 1962 in Ontonagon, Michigan, which is very up north. Very up north? Very up north. Okay. UP, right? I don't know. I think Ontonagon is UP. Because I live in a neighborhood, or I used to live in a neighborhood, where it's all up north street names, and Ontonagon is one of them. Ontonagon. Mm-hmm. No wonder people make fun of us. They Keep do. Going. They do. <laughs> There's very little to know about Stephen's early life. He was a homosexual man in the 80s, so sadly at the time did not get a lot of news coverage when he went missing in mm, 1987. Right. Um, in his early 20s, Stephen moves to Milwaukee away from the small town in Michigan and finds a job at a restaurant. On September 15th, 1987, he finishes his shift and heads to the nightclubs. As a former restaurant employee, this is not uncommon. Um, you frequently work your shift for the bar. You know, whatever you make that night, you go and party with. So, right. you know, that's not, especially like in your 20s, this is not uncommon. So um, at this club, Stephen meets a fellow patron, Jeff, a.k.a. Jeffrey Dahmer. Yeah. You know, the Milwaukee monster. They strike up a conversation, decide they want to carry on the night together after club hours. Dahmer invites Steve back to his hotel room where they enjoy a drink together. Unbeknownst to Steve, his drink is laced with multiple sleeping pills that had been crushed up. Oh my gosh. Dahmer wakes up the next morning with a pounding headache from being hung over and a lifeless Stephen Toomey lying next to him in bed. Mm. Stephen's body is badly bruised and beaten. So now we've got a problem. Not being home to sprinkle his body in the backyard the way he had before, Dahmer goes to the store, buys a suitcase. I mean, he's trying to improvise here. Mm. He shoves Stephen's dead body in the suitcase. Could he not afford it like a chest freezer? Or? Not at the hotel. Oh, True. But then he fucking Mini calls fridge. for a bellboy to help carry <gasps> the bag to the cab. No. Uh-huh. Yeah. He Gross. Could, so you can overpower. Well, I guess he drugged him so he didn't have to overpower him. But you can, right, you can murder, murder someone and dissect, and dissect humans, but, but you, you can't carry a suitcase. Right. You little turd. Um, he takes the cab to his grandmother's home where he once again dissects the body and disposes it. By sprinkling it in the backyard. Oh, my God. And she's probably just sitting over there wondering why her flowers are getting so colorful. <laughs> like, what the hell? Right? I'm sorry. I'm already going to hell, so I guess add this no, to but the list, that's, guys. I mean, I, it's fertilizer. True. Yeah, it's yeah. Sadly. So, side note real quick, since I already interrupted you. Yeah. Um, I looked up on Tanagan while you were talking. It is in the UP. Yeah, yeah. Not only is it in the UP, it's on the flip side of the UP. So oh. it's all the way at the top, like by the little hangnail of the UP, right? Where the mitten, the UP is the hangnail. Right. 
Antonagon's up at the top corner of the hangnail, almost to Wisconsin. Okay. Like maybe a couple hour drive to Wisconsin, so an eight hour drive, more nine hour Wisconsin drive to where we are. than closer Very to much the mountain. So. Very much Got so. It. Interesting. Just FYI. So, according to testimony by Dahmer, he never remembered killing Stephen and suggested that maybe he committed suicide. In ch- you know, by beating himself to death. And chopping up his own body. Uh-huh. And, and shoving himself, himself in a suitcase. Shoving mm-hmm. himself in a suitcase and sprinkling himself in a yard. Right. Oh, my god. Sadly, though, because Stephen's body was never found, Dahmer has n- was never charged for his murder. That's got to be so frustrating. I mean, I guess on the one hand, you know, Dahmer got got what was coming to him in the end, being murdered right. in prison, but that's got to be so upsetting. There are so many cases, and, and I get in some why they do it. Um, in some, like it sounds like in this one, they just couldn't charge him. In right. some cases, they purposely don't, so that should they ever need to charge them with something and- else, they've got something else to stick them in prison longer for, and I get right. it. But as the family of someone whose murder has never been charged or convicted i mean you've got your answers but you don't have your justice and that's got to be so upsetting no kidding yeah i can't imagine how that would feel um but Dahmer went on to rape kill dissect and consume a total of 17 young men Mm. and was caught and convicted in 1991 he was killed in prison in 1994 by another inmate while they cleaned the showers and story goes that this guy killed him because he thought he was laughing at him at some point Oh, that's really weird. Super weird. But, you know. I mean, I guess I didn't really. You hear, like, someone killed Dahmer in prison. Oh, yeah, because he raped little boys. Right. Or not no. little boys. He raped men and killed them. He was a yeah, serial killer. That's no, not why. It was just petty, <laughs> petty jail drama. Yeah. Wow. Not funny. I mean, it's not funny. Not but, funny, you know. but, yeah, that's weird. So that's my story. That's my connection for Dahmer to Michigan. So Stephen Toomey. Bundy, Gacy, Manson, Dahmer all connected to Michigan. And you know what actually made me think about doing an episode where we take famous cases and connect them to Michigan in like a weird way is, Mm -hmm. um, did you watch or listen to the podcast Dirty John? I did. So I didn't listen to the podcast, but I watched the show. I have not watched the show. Uh, I'm glad that I hadn't listened to the podcast first mm-hmm. because the end I've was heard. then so shocking for me. Okay. Um, which we won't spoil I that for you guys. I don't even remember it, so I think it would still be shocking for me because I've heard so many other stories since. But John Meehan, this piece of shit, mm-hmm. con man, psychopath, insane human, um, at one point was running from the police and for one of his many, many crimes. And he wound up in Saginaw, Michigan, Mm -hmm. um, in a hospital. And they were trying to apprehend him because he he worked in hospitals and he stole drugs from hospitals and all of that. Um, They were trying to apprehend him and he actually fled up an elevator shaft and was trying to climb up the elevator. And... um, (laughs) a police officer was trying to pull him back down and he was kicking the police officer in the face. And I was just like, what? That's crazy. And, you know, none of the story about him takes place in Michigan at all. Um, He was from the Midwest, but most of it takes place in California. But then it just kind of got me thinking, like, there are all these little weird Mm -hmm. ways that these big cases that we do all know about and hear about and talk about are connected back to to Michigan. So I'm sure we could... We put Everything. some more work into it. Mm-hmm. We could we can come up with some more of these for, for sure. sure. For sure. All right, girls and guys, it's file dump time. Today we're going to tell you guys about our very first jobs. Our first jobs. 
What was your first job? I worked at Dunkin' Donuts. Did you? Time to make the donuts. Time to make the donuts. I called in dead because I hated it so much. <laughs> you called in dead? I did. I was like, I can't. So I was the, 15. I had, you know, I was not a responsible. The Dunkin' Donuts you're talking about, that was the one connected to a gas station, wasn't it? It was. Okay. Yeah. It was, it's now Happy's Pizza. Okay. Um, in South Lansing on Cedar. Okay. All right. And I watched Payless it. get robbed one night. You watched Payless get robbed? Mm-hmm. Payless is a shoe store for about five more minutes because yeah, they're all I know going out of business. Done. Yeah. Yeah. That was my job. I always brought donuts home. I freaking you, love donuts still. I was just going to ask, did you get sick of them? I did for a little bit. But cutie donuts are my very, very favorite. Quality dairy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, but the, I mean, I, I'm, not like I love a donut. You love donuts. Yeah. So it didn't it didn't ruin that for you. No, not at all. But I remember like filling the donut holes with the big filler thing or like making my own. Your own special mm-hmm. special recipe. Mm-hmm. They were so good. Nice. My favorite's the chocolate filled. Okay. Yamal. So my first job was at Baskin Robbins. Stop. We both are sugar girls. Sugar girls. <laughs> The so I dead saw Sugar Magic Girls. Johnson at, at Baskin Robbins once on I Father's Day. I saw John Engler there once. He was the governor at the time because the governor's mansion was right nearby. It was before politics were really on my radar, so I didn't care one way or another. Right. I do remember. I waited on him. So once. ice cream was a little different, you know, because with the donuts, there's the smell, the smell, the mm-hmm. smell. Yeah, ice but, cream, there's not really a smell. Oh, there's a smell. It's called sugar. Sugar. But it's frozen sugar. Mm-hmm. So it didn't have. So I, I worked good. later at Mrs. Field. So I'm going to double down on the oh. sugar girl thing. So I made the cookies. I smelled like the cookies. I wanted to vomit at the sight of cookies. Mm, um, never. But the ice cream didn't have a smell to it. So Do you love ice cream? I love ice cream. Um, and I never got sick of it. My favorite was the gold metal ribbon. So it's like chocolate and white chocolate with a caramel swirl. Yeah. The one I hated was peanut butter chocolate. <gasps> Not only because I don't love the taste, but because that peanut butter was so hard to scoop. Oh my God. It you was probably hated me if I came in there. I hated that's everyone. My very favorite. That and my very favorite chocolate. is from Baskin Robbins. No, I hated everyone that came in there and asked for that ice cream. Oh, I would purposely favorite. let it run out so I could tell people we didn't have any. <laughs> so I didn't have to scoop it. That's what happened. I was, you know, 14. I started that job very yeah. young. And I got carpal tunnel from scooping ice cream. Stop it. Ridiculous. That is ridiculous. Now um, it's from our cell phones, right? I'll ne- <laughs> now it's from our cell phones, yep. Mm-hmm. I will never forget um, one day I was there. Okay, I'm terrified of vermin if we haven't covered this before. Vermin? Vermin. No. They're a nope. Mice, okay. bats, all of it. Go away. A chipmunk is cute only if it's outside, not when it's in my toilet. Did I ever tell you I found a chipmunk in my toilet one time? No, but that's, that's a story for another day. I did. I did talk about that did on the you? episode where we talked about my haunted house. Oh, okay. Yeah, did you're I? right. You're right. I think, I don't know. Okay. So yeah. you know that I don't retain information. Chipmunk in my toilet. Um, gross. <laughs> it is gross. But it's better than a snake, though. Ugh. Point is, hate vermin. And I was waiting on someone one day and out of the corner of my eye I saw one on the counter where we prepared food <gasps> and like I just kind of, I didn't freak out but I turned around and said something to um my boss and she just made me pretend like it didn't happen and seemed just nonplussed by it which was pretty gross 
So that's it. I've worked in restaurants, and there's always mice in the Uh, restaurant. Don't tell me that. But, like, I don't want to say it's a regular thing. I've only ever seen a mouse one time in the restaurants. But, you know, I mean, the dumpsters, I'm sure there's mice that go to the dumpsters at restaurants. Outside. Right. Not inside. I waited on John Engler once. Did you? And his... um, I don't know what his bodyguards. Okay, right? Is it that it wasn't the Secret Secret Service? Service? He wasn't that important. His security, bad tipper. Oh no, (laughs) really bad. And his Secret Service guys, whoever the hell they are, took up one of my tables and didn't tip me. They didn't eat (gasps) nothing. I was like, you took two of my tables for five fucking dollars. That's government money. (laughs) No, no, it was a peak. Oh. Yeah, I was pissed. Yeah, I just gave him ice cream, so he was nice to me. But, yeah, so we love sugar. We we know how to make donuts. Yeah. We know how to scoop ice cream unless it's peanut butter chocolate. We know how to serve John Engler. We know how to <laughs> <laughs> Food and ice cream. I don't mean it that way. Don't take this to that level. Ain't nobody want to do that to John Engler. <laughs> okay, can we just stop? <laughs> So for those of you not from Michigan, John Engler was our governor in mm-hmm. the 90s. Did he get two terms or did we? He got two. Did he? Mm-hmm. Um, and then recently with the entire Michigan State University horrible Larry Nasser scandal, mm-hmm. people getting ousted left and right, he was brought in as an interim president, wasn't yep. he, of the university? And then he, and got- then he got booted for running his mouth over that. So he's a politician mm-hmm. um, and... We have both served him food. He's a politician. We've both served him food, and he's a bad tipper. And he's a bad tipper. Wah, wah. Anyway. All right. So moving on, it's now time for us to thank all of our fans that have taken the time to leave us iTunes and Facebook reviews over the past month. So I'm going to do the Facebook ones. Um, Big thank you to the following people. Uh, Alexis Shilney. Walter Williams, Diana Weaver, Michelle Miller, Emily Stevens, Misty Cook, Natalie Nicole, Tiffany Reese, Brooke Jacobs, Amber Holton, Shannon Mitchell, Stephanie Stanfield Bellflower, Penny Sue, and Jessica Lindsay. I know some of those people. Do you? Uh huh, I do. So thank you. Thanks, guys. Um, and also to everyone that left us reviews on Apple Podcasts. If I know these people, I don't know them because I don't know their handle. Um, ML Doss, MBabe, 4488-4433-8675309. Jenny, I got your number. Was it MSU, on a bathroom wall? Yep. Okay. MSU Michelle, Wrathchild666. Yes. You're brave for that one. Love it. And Brooke DG. We also have a Patreon page. Big announcement. Big announcement. Um, For those of you who aren't familiar, Patreon is a platform that creators use to connect with their fans on a subscription-type basis. Um, So Dead is free to listen to, as you all know, but let me tell you... It is not free to make. Nope. Um, So by offering bonus content at different monthly tiers for patrons, that's going to allow us to keep bringing you this creepy little podcast every week without putting ourselves further and further into the red. Um, We've got a lot of really cool things we want to do as we continue to grow. But, of course, that costs lots of money. And 
So here we are. Yeah, so check it out. And if you feel so inclined to become a patron, we'd greatly appreciate it. If not, that's cool too. Um, you can find us at patreon.com slash so dead podcast. Um, thank you guys so much for making us a part of your day. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Patreon at so dead podcast. You can also find us online at so deadpodcast.com. Email us your feedback and story ideas to sodeadpodcast at gmail.com. Now get out there and shine. Yeah, magnificent what the fucks. <laughs>